welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I want to share something that the Lord spoke to me about over the last few weeks as I've just been spending some time walking through the bush, praying, and I felt like the Lord downloaded some things that he wanted to address in my life, but I trust also yours and in our church. And uh, as the Holy Spirit began to speak, I didn't feel like it was... Well, I knew he wasn't angry with me or, or cross. He just wanted to make some adjustments in my life. And, uh, and I trust that as you hear what I have to say today, that, that deep revelation will begin to make those same adjustments in your life. I've entitled my message, Breathe In, Breathe Out. I want you to do that with me right now. Breathe in and breathe out. A lot of breaths came back then. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, However as is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. If you've got a Bible today or an iPad or whatever it is, I want you to underline for those who love him. For those who love him. This passage from verse 9, I think, to verse 16, there are bookends in this passage. And it begins by saying that you can never begin to really understand God or function into the kingdom unless you have this deep love affection with the heart of God. It says, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. God never designed to reveal revelation and information to the church without it first being from the foundation of love. If you get information and revelation and blueprints and kingdom principles without first being established in the love of God, you will become a religious tyrant. For those who love him, God reveals his heart, the deep things of his heart to those who love him. Beware of running into the causes of the kingdom without carrying the heart of the king. And as we face many challenges in our nation, both on same-sex marriage and all the other things that are associated with that. Beware of fighting the cause of the kingdom without the heart of the king, as you'll totally miss what God wants to do. And it goes on to say that God reveals these things to us by his spirit, because the spirit searches the deep things of the heart of the father. And it continues on and it finishes by saying, and we have the mind of Christ. That's, one, that's the one bookend. And the other bookend is, is God has prepared these things for those who love him. We are first called to pursue his heart, then he unveils his mind. But isn't it interesting that when we first establish a relationship, that we engage the mind? So for me, when I'm meeting a man for the first time, I'm, I'm thinking about what he does for a job a little bit about his intellect, whether we connect intellectually, whether we connect mind to mind. And if that all goes well and we connect and can continue to connect in our minds and in, in the way that we see life, then maybe down the track, if all goes well, we will connect at a heart level. And how many relationships are severed because we don't intellectually agree or connect and we don't value the heart connection? How often do we connect at a heart level first? Not very often, if we're honest. It's a, it's a harder thing. It's a more challenging thing to first connect at a heart level. Heart level is more about that person's integrity and character and passion and love. We don't seem to value that as much as we do intellect. But with the things of the kingdom, they're all upside down because Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That's, that's the starting point. Then it says, with all of your soul and all of your mind. It's not that we don't love God with our mind, but it's never the starting place. 
Our, our starting place in the kingdom, that's why you can't get saved with your head. You try and figure out the kingdom with your head. Someone 2,000 years ago died on the cross, and because he shed his blood, somehow that translates into having the power to change the way you are and give you eternal life, even though you can't see it. Who got saved using their head? Not me. See, the four spiritual laws are great, but they're not, they're not a way to intellectually bring someone into the kingdom. As a young kid, I, I used to do street witnessing, and, and we would lead everyone to the Lord, force them to say the, the, the prayer. And you could see some people, they prayed the sinner's prayer, but they weren't born again. It's like, all right, I've done that. Get out of my way. But they had no heart revelation of a father that loves them, that sent his son. We engage in the kingdom first with our heart, and then with our mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and then with all of your mind. You may have heard this story, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. On August the 8th, 1975, Bob Jones, who was an amazing heart prophet, he's now gone to be with the Lord. Now, I believe he, he went to be with the Lord on Valentine's Day. Is that correct? Yes, it is. There you go. And he said he experienced death in, on August the 8th, 1975. He, he actually died, went to heaven, physically died, documented. And he stood before the Lord in heaven as he stood in a line awaiting entrance into the heart of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? That when they went to heaven, they were entering into the heart of Jesus. He heard the Lord asking this same question to every person ahead of him. Bob said, in death, the only question that the Lord will ask his people is this. Did you learn to love? All your good deeds, awards, accomplishments, financial worth accounts for nothing. In the end, he says, the only thing that matters to God is love. Did you learn to become like him? Did you manifest his nature to others in your daily life? Did you lay down your life for your brother did you prefer your neighbor to yourself? The people in line ahead of Bob entered into the heart of Jesus, but the Lord asked Bob to return to life on earth where he would live to see the beginning of the greatest harvest of all times. One billion souls and mainly youth would enter into the kingdom. And he gave Bob a message to go back to the body of Christ, to the leaders and to the church, and tell them this, the question that God will ask each and every one of us, is this. Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Not what you did for God. Not how well you've got the kingdom laws down pat. And they're all good things and we're not dismissing them. But did you learn to love? Did the life of Jesus transform you so you learned to love like he learned to love? Often what is blocking our destiny is that we have bypassed the heart of the Father and we're pursuing the mind of Christ. For many of us, we're saying, God, why am I getting my breakthrough? And God's saying, until you pursue my heart, I'm not going to fully unveil my mind. And we're at a standstill. And that's why the religious didn't see Jesus. Because they had a conceptual idea of God and the way that God worked. But they didn't understand the heart of God. Their hearts, like the children of Israel, were far from him. And you can never perceive the mind of God until you capture the heart of the Father. And Jesus said, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. See, because the kingdom is about a kingdom of love. And the least in the kingdom of love is greater than the greatest minds of the Old Testament. Are you getting this? The least in the kingdom of love. See, the, the values of the kingdom are measured by love. That's why the widow's might is greater than the richest man's, richest man's wealth. Not because God doesn't value the rich, not that God doesn't want lots of money in the kingdom, but, but everything is measured through love. I, I shared on that today, God loves a cheerful giver because God doesn't want any offering that doesn't come from a heart of love. The least in the kingdom of love is greater than the greatest mind of the Old Testament. It's interesting because 
in the garden, God, who is the God of love, is he not? He's called the God, he's, I am love. God in the garden, what did he do to Adam at the very beginning? Adam is this vessel that is created out of dirt, laying there, I guess, on the ground. And the Bible says, God breathed into Adam. He breathed himself. Love came into Adam and Adam became a living being. God breathed into him. When you get born again, the love of God breathes into you and you become a new creation. God is the only one that doesn't need to breathe in. He's the one that breathes, that breathes into us. It says God is love. He is the only source of pure love. God so loved that he gave. God who is love, who doesn't need to breathe in and receive from anyone else. He is the source of love. He breathed himself into Adam. And Adam was filled with the love of God. This empty container filled into this garden that is full of the love of God. What an amazing thought. God so loved that he breathed on you and you and you and you. So we need to take time to breathe. And as I was walking through this park, I felt God say, Andrew, you need to take time to breathe me in. Breathe in. Before you can breathe out, you must breathe in. You must breathe in my breath of love upon you. Breathe me in. Start every day breathing in the love of God. Because until I breathe, I've got nothing to give. If I don't breathe in love, I can't breathe out love. I can't exhale love to a world that is dying. I must breathe in his love. Breathe in, breathe out. Until I have love, I've got nothing to release. See, this is what many of us fail to understand that our kingdom is a kingdom of love. And if we haven't received love like Adam did in the garden, we've got nothing to give. Everything. See, faith flows through love. Love is the foundation of everything that we do. It's the nature of who God is. We breathe in and we breathe out. We are love creatures. We are made in the image of God who is a love God. And we breathe him in. This is the value of the kingdom. God is love. It's so easy, but we complicate it. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in his love, breathe out. If you're breathing something that's wrong, anger, frustration, you breathe it out. Breathe in God, breathe in his love, breathe out. James 4, 5 says in the Passion Translation, the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who desires to have us fully. Did you hear that? The Spirit of God, the Spirit that God breathed into us when He went, when we were born again. The moment you said yes to Jesus, God breathed His love nature inside us. You may feel like you've got no love, that you're angry, but the truth is the moment you get born again, God, by His Spirit, breathes into us this passionate love nature within us that desires to have us fully. See, here's the deal. Every single person created, without exception, is created to be filled. I've shared this concept before, but maybe many of you here today haven't heard this. Every, every human being is created to be filled. How do I know that? Because when God created Adam, he was created a vessel. That's what you are. Nothing more, nothing less. A vessel that must be filled by something. Here is the deal. You get to choose what fills you or who fills you. We are vessels that are filled. You cannot live without being filled by someone or something. Try it. And God breathed on him 
the love of, him, of himself. We are designed to be filled and then to express that which is filled, that has filled us. So if you're filled by things of this world, distractions, money, whatever it might be, pursuing uh, all sorts of things, that will be expressed through your life, through anxiety, stress, all sorts of things. You will know what's filling you by what you're expressing. If you're expressing fear, you know what's filling you. If you're expressing the love of God, the unconditional love of God, you know you've been breathing God in. You're containers, that's all you are. Nothing more, nothing less. A container that expresses the nature of that which fills you. If you're feeling empty and angry and discouraged, what's filling me? What am I breathing in? Breathe in, breathe out. There are two forces in this world, according to Star Wars. <laughs> according to the scripture, there's spiritual death. Spiritual death births selfishness. That's one force, spiritual death. It's, it's the nature of Satan. Spiritual death that births selfishness. Every sin of the world is rooted in this self-centeredness. Self-love, self-seeking, self-focused. It's take, 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 take. That's one force. But the other force is eternal life, which is God. And that life is, is a self-for-other life. It births love that wants to bless and minister to other people. And so you get to choose whether you are taking in and breathing in spiritual death, self-centeredness. Nobody talk to me, guy. Nobody loves me. Everyone ignores me. See, that's, that's, you need a good dose of breathing in the love of God. When you breathe in the love of God, selfishness flees. Selfishness goes. Spiritual death births self-centeredness. I'm breathing in all these things. I'm feeling empty. I'm prickly. I don't care about other people. I don't want to give. I don't, I don't want to give anyone my attention. I don't want to lay down my life because I am breathing in that which is spiritual death. On the other side, I'm breathing in love every day, the love of God. I'm, I'm saying, thank you, Father, that you love me. I'm acknowledging his love in my life. I'm conscious of him loving me. Because see, this nature, this eternal life nature is a self for other nature. I love about this, this about God. God is the only source that is complete in himself. He's self-determining. So it means that he doesn't need anyone or anything to make him feel whole. Now that's a really important point because when we breathe in that nature, it is a self for other nature. Because God doesn't need anyone, he can never be selfish. So if he needed someone, he would take, but he's a self for other God. Because he's complete, the, the, the flow of his life is always outwards. That's why I said God doesn't breathe in, because he doesn't need anyone. His nature is to flow out. Are you getting this? So we breathe in selfishness, or we breathe in the nature of God. And his nature fills us as containers and then begins to minister to a world because we carry his nature, which is a self for other nature. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. This is not some sort of you know, new age therapy. This is, this is being conscious of the fact. There's nothing magical about breathing in, by the way. But it's, it's the concept that I am receiving as a container the life of God so I'm filled with the fullness of God. So I've got something to breathe out to people. I need him. I need my container to be filled every day. I shall be anointed with fresh oil every day because I leak, I, I drain out. I need his nature. See, God's always full. I need to be replenished. I need his nature flowing through me. Now, as we breathe in, one of the wonderful things, as we take time to breathe in the love of God, we then begin to breathe out in a different way. And I want to suggest these, I think, three things to you if you're taking notes. That as I breathe in, something begins to happen. And the first thing is right living will be a consequence of right breathing. As I breathe him in, 
I'll begin to live right. As I breathe him in, I'll begin to live right. As I breathe him in, I will breathe out. It's totally connected. Breathing in the love, breathing out the love. Right breathing brings right living. See, this is what John the, John the uh, Apostle was on about in the book of John, 1 John. If you don't read it with these eyes, you will see it as all the things that you should be doing to become a child of God. Or if you're a child of God, you won't sin. You'll be exactly like Jesus. You'll be perfect. And I, I used to read 1 John and think, oh, flip. Is there anybody in church that's saved? It's impossible. If you have sin, you're a liar. That's what he says. It's pretty tough. But see, right breathing brings right living. If I breathe him in, I will naturally breathe him out. John's saying that, that all these signposts are a reflection of what you're breathing in. If you're not living right, it's because you're not breathing right. He's not saying, you naughty boy, you should be living right. He's saying, whenever you're not living right, go back to breathing in right. It's a signpost to say, this is a reflection of what you're breathing in. If you've got bad breath, it's because you're eating the wrong food. It's not to tell you off, oh, you've got bad breath. No, change your diet. Start eating the things that give the breath of love. If you find yourself being snappy and angry and always irritable, which all of us are prone to do at times, it's because we're not breathing in. As we breathe in, I want you to do that now. Take a big, deep breath, and that's all I want you to do. That's all I want you to do. All right, you can let it go. <sighs> See? That's the deal. If you breathe in, you have to breathe out. breathe out. It is a natural flow that if you take in the love of God, it will naturally flow out. It's not complex. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. If you breathe right, you will live right. If you spend time acknowledging the love of God that's inside you, if you spend time allowing him to love you, you will breathe out. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we would be called the children of God. He breathes on us. Maybe you need to write this scripture down. And remind yourself, every day God is breathing over me. What great love the Father has lavished on us. He's blowing his love inside me. Not maybe when I get good enough. No, what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we would be called the children of God. Every child of God has the breath of God blowing inside them every day. 1 John 3.14 says, We know we've passed from death to life. Because we love each other. God breathes his love nature inside us. And we know that we've passed from death to life. Because his love nature is in us. And anyone who does not love remains in death. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. We breathe out because he first breathed in. Whoever claims to love God but hates his brother or sister is a liar. So if you say, I love God, oh yes, I breathe him in, but you're breathing out over your brothers and sisters' anger and judgment, then God says, you're a liar. What does he mean by that? He's saying you're deceived. You can't breathe out bad stuff and claim that you're breathing in good stuff. It's, you're deceived, you're saying. And one of the greatest ways we know what we're breathing is... In is by how we breathe out. Are you getting this? We know that we're being transformed and receiving his love and acknowledging his love because all around us, we are breathing on people the love of God. When we offend people and constantly hurt people, it's a reflection that we're not breathing in the love of God. John says that. Whoever does not love their brother... Whom they have seen can't love God who they haven't seen. So God says, I'm going to make it really easy for you. Because you can't see me. And because it's really hard to measure how much love has changed your heart, I'm going to put people around you. And they're going to be your measuring stick. And every time you offend people, hurt people, are prickly to them, that will be your measuring stick that you've not been breathing me in. Oh, thanks for that. 
Could you change the measuring sticks? Give me nicer ones. They aren't so prickly. Breathe in, breathe out. He says, and this is the commandment, verse 21 of John 4. Anyone who loves God, who breathes him in, him in, must also love their brother as we breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. This whole epistle of John is all about breathing in and breathing out. About breathing in his love, breathing it out to other people. If you read it that way, it'll make total sense. But if we read it in a way that we've got to try and change all our externals, you've missed the point. God's not beating people over the head. He's saying, every time you see that love's not working in your life, come back and breathe me in. How amazing. Breathe in, breathe out. A fruitful lifestyle is the consequence of breathing in. Romans 5.5 5 says, hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you hear that? Hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has, not will, has been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit who lives in you has poured out inside you the love of the Father. You, your past may be filled. See, when I first started to meditate on that, I thought, God, I'm pretty good at some areas, but this is an area where I, I know I need a few tweaks, and I look at my past, and it hasn't come natural to me over the past to want to love people. Just being frank, some people aren't easy to love. And I could get discouraged saying, God, is it possible that I could ever love like you love? You know, we get this mindset about ourselves. This is about the cap of my emotional intelligence. And I could never see myself, you know, you meet some people, and I just, ah, just love everybody. And everyone loves them. And they just have this gift. And sometimes, you know, you, you might be more analytical or have different giftings, and you're thinking, could I ever be like that? And see, the enemy is a liar. He would say, you're not designed to love. You know, we, we put people in the, all their boxes. You know, the boxes we have, those four different categories of our character. And, you know, you're sanguine, so you're a people person. And you're over here, you're melancholy, so you don't have to love anyone. You have to write songs and poetry. <laughs> and so you look at that person and, well, yeah, it's okay. You're emotionally in tune. And it's a lie because it says... Hope doesn't disappoint. We look at our future or our past and think, oh, I'm just, I'm really disappointed. I, I, I don't know that I could ever be. But he's saying, you know what? Don't allow the enemy to rob you because of what your past has been like or how you project your future to be. Holy Spirit has poured his love out into every believer and you are a creation of love. Melancholy, whatever it is that you are, you are a creation of love. You breathe me in. And you breathe me out. You're a vessel, so it may come out differently in different colors, but you are a vessel of love. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you to say that you've got no love inside because he's poured out inside you. Listen to this. Love comes natural to every believer because God's poured his nature inside us. This is what it says in Ezekiel 36, 26, New Living Translation. I will give them a new heart and I will put a new spirit inside them. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. Thank you, Jesus. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. The Living Bible says it this way. I'll give you a new heart. I will give you new and right desires. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and I will give you new hearts of love. This is a new covenant. That he takes out the hardness and the, the pain and the rejection and the, 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 the irritableness. He says, I'm going to put inside you a tender, responsive heart. It's a promise, church. He says, I'm going to give you a fruitful lifestyle. You breathe me in and I'll create such fruit like you've never seen before. You were born to love. Galatians 5.23 is one of the worst interpreted scriptures in all of the Bible. You know, you've heard people say, right, you're going to work on the fruit of the Spirit. Right, you know, you put all the fruits up on the wall and right, I'm going to pray this week for more peace. 
and there's something I need to grow in, my peace level. Really? It says, the fruit of the Spirit. Whose Spirit? Our Spirit. See, all the fruit flow out of love. That's why love is named first of all the fruit. All the fruit of the Spirit is this. His love nature is now inside me. He's saying, the fruit of being intimately connected with the love Father looks like this. Peace. Joy. See, as you breathe in the love nature of God, as you're conscious of his love for you, as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you, I am a love creation. See, one of the problems is we actually talk ourselves out of who we are. You actually are created as a love creature. God breathed in you, his nature. You carry that inside you. And sometimes the devil has us voicing out all the things that we are not. Well, I'm not designed that way. I'm not very good at loving people. I'm not built that way to love. I'm not a hugger. I don't, I don't do hugs. I don't, I'm not a touchy-feely sort of person. I'm not one of those people that communicate that I love people. I don't say I love you. That's not the way I was brought up. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is inside you. And His fruit is love. You've got to force it down to keep it down. It wants to come up. And love looks like this. It says, this is the Amplified, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the work which His presence accomplishes looks like this. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And all that fruit is a manifestation of His love. So I begin to confess, I am a faithful child of God. I am gentle in all the things that I do. I am filled with his joy. I am peace-loving. The spirit within me is patient and kind and gentle, full of self-control. That's who I am. We're partakers of his divine nature, Peter says. We are partakers of his divine nature. We are partakers of his divine nature, and his nature is love. And love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8, or whatever it is, is quite an intimidating passage. Unless you understand, it's all about what love will do in your life. It never fails. If you allow God's love to flow through you, this is what will happen. You'll endure with patience. You won't be jealous or envious. You won't be proud. Brag, arrogant, rude, self-seeking, not easily provoked, not overly sensitive, not easily angered, now that I've said that. Doesn't take into account wrong endured. Does not rejoice at injustice. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is what love does. Again, this is a passage to say, this is what happens when you breathe me in. Something begins to change on the inside. You don't start waiting for everyone else to change. Right? I'll love you if you love me. No, that's self-seeking. It's self-centeredness. That's the spirit of death. That's the nature of the enemy. The nature of God is a self for other God. If you remember that about God, he is complete in himself. The virtue of God is he is always flowing out to other people, always out of his wholeness, ministering love to brokenness. That's the nature of God. And the more that love flows through me, the more that all these things will begin to work. Love never fails. Love never fails. Well, I could never do that, Andrew. Love never fails. It's not about you. It's not about you working harder. It's not about you trying harder. It's about allowing the love of God. If we would concentrate on breathing him in, you'll breathe him out. Love never fails. All these things will just be like a tick list. Yeah, yeah, I've got all that down. Why? Because love never fails. Breathe in, breathe out. A prophetic lifestyle is a consequence of right breathing. Right living is a consequence of right breathing. Fruitfulness is a consequence of right breathing. But a prophetic lifestyle is a consequence of right breathing. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire 
spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. As we center into the heart of God, we begin to access the mind of Christ. We begin to see what God is doing before we see what the devil is doing and the world is doing. And this is a, a word for the church today. We become so focused on the problem. We turn the TV on, we hear all the negativity, all the fear. You know, if this vote gets through, that's the end of the church. They'll, you know, they'll lock us up. We won't be able to talk about Jesus. We center ourselves in the heart of God before we ever begin to take in what's taking place in the realm around us. We center ourselves in God's heart and we begin to access his mind. We see what God is doing before we see what everyone else is doing. How many times I come across people and they're just verbalizing what the enemy's doing in people's lives, in the world around us, and they haven't been centering themselves in Father's heart. They're going out trying to bring the kingdom through their mind without connecting with God's heart. It's called a Pharisee. Is there any wonder the world gets so angry at the church because we're trying to relay the mind of Christ without the heart of the Father? The prophetic discovers the heart of God and then it comes into agreement with him. I wrote this down. Prophecy is one of the clearest ways that we hear God's thoughts and emotions of love for other people. So when we're ministering in the gifts, so I see the gifts of the Spirit and the heart of the Father so entwined together. Pursue love and then earnestly desire spiritual gifts because they are the means of love being breathed out. The gifts of the Spirit come from a place where you breathe in the love of God and as you begin to minister the love of God out to people, the gifts begin to flow. Why don't we see more gifts? Maybe because we haven't breathed more of the heart of the Father. The gifts are a means of manifesting the love of God. Prophecy connects people to the heart of God. They begin to understand that God loves them. That God has a plan, that they're worthwhile. So when someone's picked out from a crowd like this and a prophetic word goes out, they think, there is a God who loves me, who would pick me out of such a big crowd. You know, there's so many people. He would isolate me and say, I know all about you. I know how you're wired. And I'm speaking to you about your future. And this is what I'm going to do. The love of God is manifested through prophecy, through the mind of God being revealed. God so loved the world that he gave. The communication of God to a broken world is so important. And the gifts express that love. I wrote down here, the gift of healing is love expressed for the sick. The gift of prophecy is love expressed for the confused, those needing direction and encouragement. The gift of faith is love expressed for those who feel hopeless about their life. Do you not see that all the gifts are connected to connecting into the heart of the Father? And as we breathe him in, the gifts begin to flow. The gift of faith, working of miracles, they are all an expression of love. And in the last days, as the church rises to its place, where it begins to implement the kingdom in every mountain of society, we must be grounded in the heart of the Father. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if we're not, we'll be like a clanging cymbal. We'll be trying to implement the kingdom but they have no heart of love. Oh, I've done that. I've had God rebuke me. You know, we talk about that, that, you know, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And I believe that. I believe God's bringing in much wealth to the kingdom. But let it be done because of love. Let us not be praying the demise of everyone that's wealthy. Die! They're bankrupt now. Thank you, Jesus. Take out this street in Jesus' name. Cause them all to go into debt. I have to challenge myself because I, I want the church to come into prominence. But it has to be through a heart of love. Everything that comes in has to be for all those people. Every mountain that we go to, it has to be established as a mountain of love that we minister out of the love of the Father and all the gifts that flow 
what out of love without an agenda? Are you willing to serve in the mountain of business amongst all the rich if you're never rich yourself? Is that because you love them? Are you willing to walk alongside the rich and believe in them and prophesy over them and see them come into amazing success and you never have the same success? Love is not self-seeking. Love rejoices in the wins of others while you're struggling yourself. That's what love's about. Love seeks no wrong, keeps no record of wrong. It says in the last days, many will be offended. Why? Because God will do unusual things. And if our hearts are not grounded in deep love and affection for who he is, we will get angry. So 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, Eagerly pursue and seek to make it your one aim, your great quest to acquire love. Earnestly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest in life. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great, great quest. Did I say that? Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love and make it your aim, your great quest. What's your goal in life? What do you dream about? What's your deep desire? Make sure it's the same desire of the Father because when you come to heaven, if Bob Jones is right, which I believe he is according to Scripture, he's going to ask you, did you learn to love me? So he says, eagerly pursue, seek to acquire this love, make it your great quest. So here's the question, what's your number one goal in life? Get a house, get married, have kids, be successful, see the kingdom come here or there, drive around Australia, go overseas. Eagerly pursue, seek to acquire this love, make it your aim, your great quest. What's the number one goal in every believer's life? To pursue love. To breathe him in till I become the very breath of God. To breathe him in. Because the spirit that he breathed into me is a spirit of love that is jealous over me. He, he, he wants me to be consumed in love. So what's your great quest? When you get to the end of your life, what is it that you will look back and say, I nailed it. Because you know, as I walked through the bush and the Holy Spirit's just talking to me, that, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. I began to think about what it is that I wanted to be known for, what it is I wanted to, to relay to my family, to our church, what I wanted our church to be known for, what I wanted to see hap happen to this city. And when we boil it down, it's this. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. I want the love of God to consume every cell of my being. And through that, then the gifts of the Spirit begin to manifest to everyone around me. There's a manifestation of God's love through me. And I think that if I pursue that, that should the Lord not come before, and I'm on my deathbed and I get the chance to, to think back about my life, I think I'll be satisfied if I have breathed him in. Nothing works without love. God is love. So when we get on the side of love, everything begins to change. Pursue love. Breathe him in, breathe him out. I want you to think about that this week as you, wherever you might go this week, as you're walking down the street, as you're in your workplace, as you're laying in bed, as you're eating your breakfast. Think about this concept of breathing in, breathing out. Maybe as you're walking and you're conscious of your own breath. Say, thank you, Lord, today I'm breathing you in. I'm breathing you in. I'm allowing your love to fill every part of my being. You are in me and I breathe this in. I breathe in the consciousness of your love inside me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm a partaker of your divine nature. You are love. And as you fill me, I become complete 
I'm not self-seeking. I'm not looking for other people to make me happy. I'm not looking for my wife or my husband to fulfill areas that only you can fill. I'm not grouchy and irritable because I'm a love for other person now. I breathe you in so much, I'm now full of the love of God. It's overflowing in my life. I'm beginning to take love wherever I go. I've got to be frank, in my earlier years, I loved reading about faith, miracles, but any chapter on love I'd bypass. I'd want to go to say, oh, that's, you know, that's for the soft, soppy people. And I didn't understand that the kingdom of God is founded in love. Faith works through love. Everything works through love. The heart of the Father is the source for all the gifts of the Spirit. Everything we do is founded on love. So you can have a church of people that come together and are connected via their minds and not their heart. Listen carefully. Offense and division comes to the church because people aren't bound by heart. They're bound by agreement of mind. And the moment you say something that offends their mind or cuts across their agenda, they walk out the door because they have not bought into the heart of love. They haven't bought into partnership. Partnership goes beyond your own agenda. You're bound by heart. Are you hearing this? You can walk into churches and you know that people don't love each other. They're there because of a common message. They're there because their intellectual mind has been stimulated, but their hearts are far from each other. That's not the body of Christ. That's just a gathering. You can do that on the internet. That's a problem with the internet church. People's hearts aren't bound together. But when we come into a body like this, our hearts are connected to him, to each other. And then we go out during the week and we begin to breathe on people. And the gifts start to flow. Did you hear that? We begin to breathe on people, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, discernment, gifts of healing, working of miracles, provision. It starts to flow because we've nurtured this heart of love. Amen. So this week, breathe him in. Breathe him in. Breathe him in. Be conscious of the fact that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to have the mind of Einstein. He loves you. He loves you right now. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, on me. He'd call me a child of God, and that's what I am. And he breathes on me every day. He wants me conscious, me to be conscious that he loves me. And out of that, you watch the fruitfulness and the power of God manifest in and through your life to those around you when you're conscious of being a creation of love. You watch circumstances change. You've been praying for change and, and demanding change and crying out to God. And, he, and I, I feel like there are people that God would remind you today that if you would breathe him in, he would say to you that love never fails. Those circumstances that you can't move, love can move. Love can change your heart. It can change their heart. So we breathe you in today. And if anyone that's here today or listening to this on podcast or on video, YouTube, and you've never received the love of God in your heart, you've never asked Jesus, the picture of love, love sacrifice for you to come into your life, you can do that right now by praying this prayer. And you pray it from your heart. See, you confess with your mouth, but you've also got to believe with your heart. God loves you. And he sent his son to die for you. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to, he wants to forgive you of the sin, the self-centeredness of your life. That's what Jesus bore on the cross. The selfishness of mankind was placed upon him. He brings us back into right relationship. So that's you today. You can say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for my sin and selfishness. Thank you, Lord. You take out this spirit of self-centeredness and spiritual darkness and your love nature comes in. You said, Lord, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So today you just receive him and say, thank you, Jesus, that your nature is now in me. I receive you today. And the Bible says that if you confess his lordship of love over your life, to receive him into your life, you shall be saved. 
So we thank you, Lord, today that there are people, not just in this building, but all around the world that are today and in the days to come receiving you as Lord and Saviour. Thank you for your love for every person, your unending love. And Lord, this week we say that we will walk in your love. We will be love creations. Lord, when we fail, we won't get discouraged, but we will begin to remind ourselves that that's not who we are anymore. We are a new creation. We thank you for your love. Lord, this day, give us people to manifest your love and acts of kindness, gifts of the Spirit, words of affirmation. Lead us in the pathway of love wherever we go. Lord, show us people that need your encounter of love. Use us powerfully this week. Lord, we pray for this city. You love this city. I know you carry this city deep in your heart. And Lord, we surround from the north to the west, the east and the south. We surround the perimeters of this city in the love of God. This city is captured in your heart. This is a city of love. And we speak to every place of darkness and fear and anger. And we release the love of God into government. We release the love of God into the business, into the schools and the workplaces and sport and entertainment. Pervade your heart and then your mind into every realm. Use us as your hands and your feet. We declare today that Jesus, the Father and the Holy Ghost, love the city of Melbourne. You hmm. passionately love this city. And we will father and mother this city with the heart that you have. One by one, street by street, suburb by suburb, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.